0: Welcome back to rural Queensland today. Senator Susan McDonald is a regular on our show Friday mornings, uh, and she joins us again. Senator, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. We are going to talk a little later to Dr. Howard Thompson. He's a vet uh, from uh, Australia who was on the front line of the United Kingdom when they had their devastating foot and mouth outbreak uh, back in 2001. And I'm looking forward to getting some insight into how they counteracted it and what they went through. Now, This week we've seen fragments of FMD in some product in Melbourne and I'm not saying it's hysteria but the mainstream media has jumped on it. It led the news yesterday in in many sectors but we need to be concerned, we need to be aware but have we gone too far with the hysteria of what is going on at this moment considering we've got no live no live um, FMD at this stage in this country and obviously it is an area of concern, but we aren't at that point where uh, where the UK is at at this moment.
1: Good morning, Ben. And look, you're absolutely right that this is a, a, a challenge that's testing everybody. Um, I guess where I'd start is that the consequence of getting this wrong are so significant, so significant, so I was a, a kid during the, you know, the 70s and, and the, the 80s when we had the BTEC and brucellosis program, uh, sorry, tuberculosis and brucellosis program, BTEC. Days when we had lands officers, DPI officers. we had more vets, we had a, a bigger ground game, probably more ferals in the north, uh, though that's arguable. But, you know, the, the response in Australia then would be different to what it would be now. Uh, And so we've got to do absolutely everything we can to ensure that not just foot and mouth, but screw worm doesn't come here because both of them are, you know, I don't need to go through the consequences. Everybody knows what they are. What My question, though, is can we feel confident with the measures that have been taken by the government? So at the moment, it's a two-pronged measure, uh, vaccinations in Indonesia and Bali, uh, that it's being supplied by Australia, um, and I am told that the the FMD vaccinations were probably up to about six hundred thousand out. They have a sixty-five million animal herd of cattle, pigs, uh, you know, goats, etc. So you know, we're a long way off getting anywhere near coverage. The the workforce there, the uh, agricultural people are, you know, they might have a desk and a motorbike. Often the department can't afford to put fuel in the bike, so it's the the, uh, department official who's got to do that, and we expect them to be vaccinating 2,000 head each. You know, big ask. So they've transferred the responsibility from the ag department into the uh, health department, the one that was responsible for the COVID vaccine rollout in Indonesia. I think that's a terrific start. So that's
0: vaccinations. Um, is vaccination the key to getting it under control in Indonesia?
1: Well, that is what I'm told. That is what I'm told. That if we have more animals vaccinated, uh, then you have less spread, and then that is, of course, then reduces the the possibility of uh, of virus coming into Australia. Yeah. And you know, I've I've had um, had commentary around you know if we were to really throw some serious resources at, at Bali. Um, 30 or $40 million, we might be able to assist them vaccinate the, the entire herd there, um, the places where, you know, to my mind is the most contact. But, you know, remembering that people are getting on planes and flying out of Indonesia and Bali up to Singapore, up to other countries and then back into Australia. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues to think about, but, you know, we're still allowing people to bring food into Australia. If you're flying into the Territory, they just say, nope. Just pop it all here in the bin. We're not going to discuss with you whether or not um, your, your box of chocolates or your nuts or your you know salami are okay or not. Just don't bring it in. You know, I think that would be another really simple uh, step that we could be taking, that we're not asking biosecurity officers to be you know having these discussions with people. It's just no food comes into Australia. We have heaps of food here. You're not going to starve when you get here. You've got a snack you want to bring finish it before you leave um, leave the country. Uh, and the other thing is, of course, that we have different sort of uh, contact measures. Um, but, you know, we are tomorrow, Saturday, it's three weeks since foot and mouth was detected in Bali. You know, we've still got people coming in on planes who, you know, uh, whether or not the, the message is being targeted enough that they understand it's not just about going onto a farm. When you come back from New Zealand, or go into New Zealand, I should say, they talk about having been on grass and soil or a farm. So they understand they've got to explain to tourists it's not just you know a farm. You're not a farm worker. You're not an agricultural person. But you might have been in an environment where a sick animal has been, and and so they're sending a different message. And they are all the kind of subtleties that I think we we need to. Um, I don't think our ground game is doing the job that we all want it to. Yeah. So I completely appreciate that people are saying, you know, no need to panic, no need for hysteria. I absolutely get that. But when I hear from people on the ground uh, in Indonesia, in Bali, coming back through airports, uh, I'm, just, I'm just suggesting that there is more that we could be doing straight away. No food into Australia. Every contact... A person has to walk across a bath, uh, a foot pad. You know, even if you've come from another country, you know, if we're saying that foot and mouth is in other countries, well, you know, perhaps it's time to start considering whether or not we, we capture everyone who comes in. You know, our greatest, our absolutely greatest um, strength is our biosecurity and our disease-free status. You know, why, what price would we put on that? Because I feel like we're we're rolling the dice. And we're gambling the farm on us really being passionate about it and wanting to do the right thing, but are we are we getting it right? and And I'm saying to you, I don't believe we are. And so it's time to start moving to the next step, um, particularly uh, of of just what's the ground game as people come into this country, how can we reduce the you know the highest risk everybody has agreed is, uncooked food and food products, but also you know shoes and, and other things that have had con- potential contact with a, a sick animal uh, from from overseas. So you know I, I just I, I appreciate that people don't want panic, but I do think that it is not unreasonable to be holding the government and government officials to account and saying we need more we need more assurance. That what you're saying you're doing, you're actually doing because the consequence of getting this wrong is just so significant for all of us.
0: Susan McDonald, our uh, guest this morning, a regular, uh, and this is a big issue. Remembering we're going to talk with Dr Howard Thompson, an um, a Australian vet who was on the front line back in 2001 uh, when the United Kingdom's devastating foot and mouth disease had the outbreak and where the vets are seeing this from.